Hey everyone, this is Jamie Bateman. Real quickly, I wanted to share with you something uh, that's been pivotal in the growth and success of my businesses, and that is my partnership with Haven Financial Services. Um, I've been working with Haven for over a year now. Christine Valdez was on episode 70 of this podcast. So go check that out if you want to hear her story. It was a fantastic personal story for sure. But Haven has been awesome. They provide me with monthly reports that are super clear and discernible. And it, that provides me with clarity and focus so that I can do what I do best, which is running my businesses, not preparing financial reports. Um, again, if you're in the market for a top-notch financial service company, uh, or if you just want to check one out, go to www.jamiebateman slash Haven and check out Haven Financial Services. Again, that's jamiebateman slash Haven. I uh, can't recommend them enough. Christine and her team have been fantastic. So I definitely recommend you check out Haven Financial Services at www.jamiebateman forward slash Haven. Let's get back to the show. In this episode, we get the chance to hear from Jim Harshaw Jr. Um, Jim was an elite wrestler at the Division One level. He was an All-American and champion. Um, he's now a performance coach and um, speaker and is a very inspiring person to talk to for sure. And we talk a lot about mindset and a lot about creating a framework for um, how to think and how to really become the best version of yourself. Um, we do discuss kind of what um, growth comes out of failure and how to let go of your attachment to the outcome and how that actually allows you counterintuitively to show up in the as the best version of yourself and be present. And kind of by letting go, you actually um, can experience a lot more success and really which is common in a lot of the episodes we have on this show is another tenant is letting go and focusing on others and serving others. Um, we talk a lot about small business and entrepreneurship, um, some successes and failures that Jim has had along the way. And so again, very much a mindset and um, inspirational yet still practical episode. Um, so I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this one and I know you're going to love listening to this episode. Welcome to the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. Are you an entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur? Then this show is for you. Each week, we bring you impactful stories of real people who have overcome painful human adversity to create a life of abundance. A life of abundance. You are not alone in your struggle. Join us and you will experience the power of true stories and gain practical knowledge from founders who have turned poverty into prosperity and weakness into wealth. This podcast will encourage you through your health, relationship, and financial challenges so you can become the hero in your quest for freedom. Take ownership of the life you are destined to live. Turn your adversity into abundance. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Bateman, and I'm honored today to have with us Jim Harshaw, Jr. Jim, how are you doing today? Great, Jamie. Glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining us. I know you're a busy guy. Um, 
for the audience out there, for the listener, Jim is a uh, an NCAA Division One All American, or or was at one point, athlete and um, an internationally recognized TEDx speaker, personal performance coach, and I know we're going to get into a lot lot more of the specifics of what you're up to today. I know, Jim, you also host the Success Through Failure podcast, which I think is uh, right in line with with my podcast. You know, so. Maybe I shouldn't have even started this one. I should have just thrown you some guests and <laughs> <laughs> no, this is great. I, I love what you're doing, man. This is uh, you, you know, there's a difference I think between failure and adversity. You know, failure is kind of it's something true. that you happy that you do or you feel you tried and you failed, but in adversity is sort of maybe sort of more external. So I think there's uh, yeah, that's that, that's coexist happily. <laughs> absolutely, no, sounds like a. I love it. The, the uh, we've definitely had guests on who have dealt with adversity that ha- has been a. Um, you know, consequence of nothing within their control. I mean, a lot of things, life happens to all of us, right? And then we've, we've had some uh, guests who, you know, had a lot of uh, influence in, in over what uh, actually happened to them as far as the adversity. But um, yeah. today we're here to chat about your story. For the audience out there, why don't you tell us a little bit more briefly uh, as far as who you are today and what you're up to today? Sure. Yeah, I'm a personal performance coach, speaker, and podcast host live in Charlottesville, Virginia. You know, my background is really wrestling. Uh, the, the genesis of my podcast was my TEDx talk, which is titled Why I Teach My Children to Fail. And that's largely about my wrestling career, which was mostly failure until I finally got onto the podium at the national championships. And um, so wrestling background, college coaching background, I was the youngest division one head wrestling coach in the country at one point. Um, I've owned multiple small businesses. And, um, and yeah, now I'm, now I'm a personal performance coach and, and a speaker. Yeah, that's perfect. And we'll get in into later as far as, you know, who you're ideal avatar is who you work with specifically client wise. Um, let's dive right in. I know you've talked about this before, but let's dive into to the failure you were talking about. Give us give us some insight into your background and, um, you know, pick it up where you'd like to. Sure. So I, I grew up in Western Pennsylvania, small town kid, small, you know, I was a small kid from a small town and I thought small and you know, success was kind of always for other people growing up. I always kind of felt that sort of unconsciously, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I can work real hard. Like mom and dad, you know, dad was a construction worker. Mom was a uh, uh, secretary and we just, you know, we were hardworking people and, you know, didn't have a whole lot growing up, had plenty of love, but uh, didn't have a whole lot growing up. And, um, you know, success, financial and otherwise abundance, that was kind of for other people, you know, we just should be mm-hmm. grateful for what we have and and not really strive for more, or take much risk. And, and, and that carried over into my wrestling. Uh, my goal is to be a Pennsylvania mm-hmm. high school state champion, uh, never even got onto the podium at the state championships. Uh, but I worked hard. And, you know, that got me into a great school, got into the University of Virginia uh, as a recruited walk-on. I mean, I had good grades, not UVA good grades. I mean, UVA, it's super hard to get into as the number one ranked sure. public university in the country. And yeah. and so I showed up at, at UVA as kind of feeling like a failure and kind of feeling like I didn't belong. Mm. You know, I you know, all my teammates were state champions or three-time state place winners. I didn't do any of those. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, academically, you know, I knew that I got in because of wrestling. You know, really wrestling opened the door for me. Sure. Um, and and even socially, you know, it's it's an affluent school. And I I grew up, you know, blue collar. And, and sure. so I just didn't feel like I fit in. And 
I just remember walking around universe, the university as, as a freshman thinking like, you know, we call it first year at UVA for any Wahoos out there listening <laughs> and just walk around thinking like, you know, I, I can see how all these guys can find success here, but, but myself, I don't even know if I belong here, if I'll make the starting lineup, uh, if I can cut it academically here, you know, like, how, is this going to work for me? And five years later, I have a master's degree and an undergraduate degree from the number one ranked public university in the country. I'm a three-time ACC champion. I'm a division one All-American. I'm invited to live and train at the Olympic Training Center as an Olympic hopeful. I mean, complete transformation happened here. Wow. And yeah, and and this this sets me off into getting into coaching. I ended up, like I said, got into coaching for about a decade, ended up as the youngest division one head wrestling coach in the country. And uh, starting a family at that point. So I got out of coaching because just the balance thing. And so I opted sure. to get out of coaching and I started my first business and that was successful. I sold that business and started my next business. I raised some angel capital and started a, a technology company, built a software. And really the goal of that company was to set my family up for, for success for the long haul. Yeah. That's, and, that's, that's, that's awesome. If I can jump in, cause it, yeah. there's so much to unpack there. Um, obviously there's a, there's a lot that happened in college for you, you know, with your mindset and other things I'm guessing. Right. Um, yeah. I guess, I guess let's back up a little bit even further. What was your, why did you, what, how did you come up with the goal of being a state champion before you even, you know, got to college? What was, was that just sure. kind of, on a whim or how'd you come up with that goal? Well, there were, there was only one state champion from my high school ever. And, you know, so I'd always kind of set my goals high, but really I, in, in the summer in the, in my high school wrestling team wasn't very good. We had a couple of good guys, but it sure. really wasn't all that, all that successful of a high school team. And, sure. but in the summertime I would train in the off season and I would make the national team and we would train you know, for Pennsylvania and we would travel mm-hmm. to their national championships. And, and I always had some success there. And, and the guys who I was training with, they were, that's what they did. They won state championships. They were high sure. up on the podium. And I thought, well, me too. You know, I sure. belong there Absolutely. as well. And, and so that's where I got the idea of being a state champion. And then you asked, sure. what about my goal of being an all American? So yeah. interesting, interesting uh, a rabbit hole will go down here for just a second and then I'll yeah. kind of finish sort of the trajectory of, of my path there. But so my freshman year, I redshirted and, and you know this, Jamie, I'm not sure for the listener, if you know, yeah. in college, you basically have five years to do four years of competition yeah. and it's changing a little bit these days, but by and large, it's, it's you can redshirt and then you have four years of competition. Um, you yeah. can take that redshirt anywhere. And I took that red, I did, I did take a redshirt. Red, wrestling, it's fairly common to take a redshirt, mm-hmm. mature physically and kind of adjust to the next level of wrestling. And sure. And so I redshirted my freshman year and had a respectable season and had a winning record in some open tournaments. You, you know, you can go and compete in these sort of open tournaments. You can't compete under the university name, but I, I had mm-hmm. a, a respectable season there. And my, so my, my true, my, my red shirt freshman year. So my second mm-hmm. year in college, but sure. my first year competing, I made the starting lineup and I thought, my goodness, awesome. this is amazing. And <laughs> I made the starting lineup and I actually qualified for the national championships, which is the first thing you have to do to become an All-American. You have to qualify for the national championships and win at least four matches. And which puts you in the top eight in the country. Top eight in wrestling is All-American. And so I qualified for the national championships as a freshman. So now my goal is like, get on the podium. 
and I I failed that freshman year. Um, and then my the next year, of course, my goal was to be an All American again. But we had a new assistant coach come in, and I you know we were talking, getting to know each other a little bit, and he said, "What's your goal?" I said, "To be an All American." And he looked at me funny. He said, "All American." He goes, "You know, you know that like there's the top of the podium is national champion." You know, All-American is anywhere on those eight steps below (laughs) national champion. He's Uh like, why is your goal not to be a national champion? And I thought to myself, like, I I didn't think I was allowed to dream that big. Think that big. Hope that big. Sure. To be the best in America at what I do. Like, that's that's for other people. That's not for for me. That's for other people. And this guy convinced me that I could be a national champion. And, And this specific guy, his name's John McGovern. And John... (laughs) <laughs> here's a funny story. So I was at the national championships that year. So my, my third year in college, my second year competing, right? So again, mm-hmm. it's four years. This is my second year as a sophomore competing. I get to the national championships and there's 15 or I think 17,000 people. It was Dan Gable's last year. So for any okay, listeners who sure. are familiar with sport, you know, Dan Gable's yeah. kind of on the Mount Rushmore of greatest co- coaches of any sport ever, right? With the Bear yeah. Bryants and the John Woodens. And Dan gets his Dan Gable's last year this is 1997. It's in Iowa. And this place is packed. And I have to wrestle Dan Gable's uh, like poster child, like his, <laughs> his you know, the guy. His name's Lincoln McElravey. He's a two-time national champion, three-time finalist. Now it's his senior year. He's undefeated, ranked number one in the country. And I'm a nobody from Virginia, a sophomore and not ranked. And my coach, John, gets in my ear and convinces me that I'm going to beat Lincoln McElravey. It's awesome. And so basically kind of a, like a David and Goliath type, type scene. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, absolutely. David and Goliath. And Got it. I stepped onto the mat, J- Jamie, and like, I knew that I was going to beat Lincoln McElravey. Well, seven minutes later, I walk off the mat with my tail between my legs. I got my <laughs> tail. I got my butt whooped up and down the mat. And it wasn't even close. And, and I, listen, I know that this is not the happy ending story that the listeners were thinking that they were going to hear, but yeah. What happened there was I realized is like after I, you know, sort of, you know, you know, iced down my ego and and kind of yeah. got over that loss in the locker room, I realized that my only hope, my only chance at beating one of the greatest of all time, one of the greatest college wrestlers of all time, my only chance, mm-hmm. I, I had a one in 1,000 chance. By believing that I could beat him, I had maybe a one in 100 chance. That's, that's 10 a really good my way. Chances. Sure. You know, no, that, that's a really good way of putting it. The only shot I had. Sure. No. Yeah, it doesn't guarantee success, right? But it m- increases your odds substantially. That that's a that's a very good way of putting it. Yeah, there's so yeah. much here that I can I can relate to, and it's definitely not a, you know, not an episode about me. But I I went uh, I actually went to Johns Hopkins initially to play lacrosse and um, great lacrosse similar. School. Great lacrosse school for sure. And, and part of it was I couldn't believe I got in, to be honest with you. I was like, how did this happen? But in, in a lot of ways, I felt very similar to how you you described your, your you know, freshman year, your true freshman year there was, sounds like you, you know, you were good, obviously very good at wrestling and obviously a smart guy, but maybe not the best wrestler and maybe not the smartest guy, right? And so it's almost like you, you would have had an easier road if you'd been, you know, a better athlete and, and not as good academically or or vice versa. Sure. I, I felt very similar where it's, you know, I, I made the team and I was exactly like you said, I was lightly recruited, but I was kind of a walk on. I mean, it, you know, I wasn't really had to, had to prove it and um, ended up transferring and that's a whole different story. Uh, but, but it, it, the bottom line is the, the path to success is not uh, a straight, you know, up and to the right no. 
path. There are a lot of ups and downs and we, and we like to keep it real on this show. It's not, it's not all about, you know, rainbows and butterflies and unicorns or whatever. It's, it's, um, man, there are a lot of ups and downs and I, I can tell that for the listener who's unfamiliar with, with wrestling in particular, um, you know, I, I'm more of a team sport. I have more of a team sport background. Wrestlers are just a different breed and, uh, you know, mentally, physically, there's just, I don't know. It's, um, there's just no quit. If you're going to be, you know, if you're going to do have any level of success with wrestling, you're already just a step above most, most of the population, uh, as far as persistence goes. Um, so anyway, so, so, okay. So your, your coach convinces you to think bigger. Um, you do think bigger, you increase your odds of, of beating this Goliath, uh, but it doesn't work out. Right. So, so then what, pick it up from there. What happens then? Sure. So I'm in the locker room and, and I have this realization, listen, my only shot, my only shot at beating that dude was to believe. And you know what? It didn't hurt to believe. So that helped me. So I, I carried sure. that mindset into my next match and I had to wrestle the number six rank wrestler in the country and, and I beat him. I upset him because awesome. I believe because I had this mindset because I realized that, Hey, it's okay to believe in yourself. And so this was, this was an epiphany for me. And, and so I, I, I carried that, that mindset again into the next season and I go through the next season, my junior year. And again, I qualify for the national championships. And again, you know, my, my goal is to be a national champion, not just an all American, mm -hmm. but a national champion. Mm -hmm. And again, I fail. And I'm in the locker room. It, it season's over. I fail. No shot. You know, I'm, like, I'm done. And mm -hmm. I'm in the locker room. You know, my face buried in a towel in tears, wondering why can't I do this? Like, what's wrong mm -hmm. with me? Am I not good enough? Am I not smart enough? Am I not capable enough? Like, is it just sure. not in the cards for me? Like, do, do I just not have it? Whatever it is, do I not have that it factor? And just so much doubt. And, and I know that, you know, Jamie, you can understand that. And, and for listeners, you got, you've, you understand that as well. It's like, we've all been there. Every one of us has been there. Maybe you're there sure. right now at some level. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I can't, I can't work any harder. I can't run more miles. I can't lift more weights. I can't watch more film. There's not enough, there's not enough hours in the day to do mm -hmm. more. Like there is no, there's no such thing as more. I can't do more. Sure. So what is it, what is it that I have to have to figure out in order to get there, right? Do I have to, mm -hmm. you know, get, you know, lift more, do more squats? Or I got to do more leg exercises? Do I got to learn <laughs> sure. new techniques? Like, what is it that I have to change with my training to get there? So I dedicated the entire off season because I, I got one more year. I got one more year of my life that I've dedicated to this sport since I was six years old. I got one more shot at this thing. Mm -hmm. And so I dedicated my off season to, to just, Traveling, and I trained all, all year long as it was, but I dedicated this particular summer to working as a camp counselor at college camps, right? So, you know, these high school kids come in and, and you know, are the campers, and then, they, you know, the, the university might bring in an Olympic gold medalist or, or mm -hmm. a national champion coach to be the instructor, and I'm the mm -hmm. counselor, right? So I just get to be there, and I'm kind of the helper, And but sure. my goal is just to be around these elite just performers, be around. these coaches, oh, right? Sure, yep, makes and, sense. And, yep pick their brains, learn from them and, and ask them questions. And I'm going to solve this freaking problem. Like whatever Jim's missing. Yeah. I go through the entire summer, the entire off season. And I learn some things, but the next season rolls around and I'm sitting in a hotel room in Morgantown, West Virginia. And it's the night before the first competition. 
And I realized I never figured it out. I hmm. never figured out that thing. The key, I never right? figured out the secret, that key that sure. Jim is missing. And in that moment, I gave up on the outcome. I let go of the outcome hmm. because I realized all I can do is all I can do. If I put every ounce of my energy and bandwidth and will into this thing, and if I, if I end up on the podium or at the top of the podium, great. If not, I have to be okay with that. Like, if you can't do any more, yeah. then you have to just be okay with that. And, sure. and in that moment, I gave up on the outcome and I, I let go of my fear of failure. Mm. And I woke up the next morning and I had the best competition of my life. I had the most fun and, and, and I performed at my best. I, I had ever performed in my life mm. that next That's day. awesome. That, that's was, so yeah, cool. So much fun. It was fun. And I, I went five and oh, I wrestled, you know, there was a tournament. I went five and oh, lit everybody up. And, and I was like, wow, like this is, this is great. This is, you know, this is, yeah. You were kind of in, in the, as athletes called in the zone kind of thing, right? Um, just flowing. And so you enjoyed the, the process that whole day, it sounds like. And you had, and the outcome actually was, was very good. It's, it turns out, right? So, okay. So you went on a roll and you, so, you won the whole tournament, right? I win the tournament and the rest of my season goes pretty much the same way. I had some losses mixed in there, sure. but only to high, like high level wrestlers. And, um, but I, but it, the losses almost stopped mattering. The wins mm. and losses stopped mm -hmm. mattering. I remember there was a particular tournament we were in Las Vegas and, and, and I competed with this guy and he was beating me four to one at the end of the first period. And I'm like, holy mackerel, like this is not good. He had taken me down mm -hmm. twice and he was just dominating me. And, but again, I held on to the idea of like, it doesn't matter. All you can mm -hmm. do, you have two more periods. There's three periods in wrestling. At the end of the first period, it went terribly. All you can do is like, just keep battling. Like whether you're sure. up by three points or down by three or up by 10, down by 10, it, it, it's irrelevant. All you can yeah. do is just go to war, go yeah. to battle with this guy. I love it. And, and that's what I did. And, and I won the match and it was, it was fun. It was so fun that's to awesome. just compete so freely like this. Sure. So I get to the end of the season, I win another ACC championship. And I, again, for the fourth time, I qualify for the national championships and my life is on the line. You know, as far as I was concerned, this was the most sure. important thing. I had, yeah, didn't yeah. have a family and, you know, didn't right. have really the other stuff that we all have in our lives now at this point. But like at this point, yeah. this is, this is my life. This, this is your, this is your identity too. I mean, at this point, this is, I, yeah, I can totally, can totally relate with you. Yeah. Yep. So I, I get to the national championships and I win my, I win three matches. Now I've got just one more match. One guy standing between me mm. and the podium on the national championships, me and a significant goal that I finally, that I want to achieve sure. in the sport. I never achieved a significant goal like this. And it's the number four ranked guy in the country from the university of Minnesota. And they were ranked number one team in the mm. country at that point. Mm -hmm. There's 15,000 people in the arena mm -hmm. and I step onto the mat and, and it's all on the line. And in that moment, I had to continue to give up on the outcome and mm -hmm. only focus on everything that I can do. Because when you focus on the outcome, you hold back, you hesitate, you second guess, mm -hmm. you self-doubt. I had to just be, just be free, just let 17 years of training show up and mm -hmm. allow it, allow it to come mm -hmm. out of me, allow myself to be fully Jim out there on mm -hmm. the mat. 
And I did yeah. that and I dominated the match and I won. I got my hand raised and I was an All-American. It was a pivotal moment in my life that sure. that um, I, I hang on to today in terms of the let go of the outcome, focus on the process. Absolutely. Well, first of all, congrats. That, that's that's fantastic. Thank you. Um, but yeah, we talk, I've talked on this, on this show before about, um, it hasn't been framed exactly that way, uh, but, but just kind of letting go of things you can't control, right? Things that are outside of our control, such as the outcome. I talk about maybe like international, you know, stop watching the news. I'm not saying never pay attention to the, to the news ever, but just letting go of these things that you can't control sure. anyway, such as really the outcome. I mean, you can't control the outcome of, of a wrestling match or really anything else. That's right. Um, but that doesn't mean go the other extreme where you're you're packing it in and you don't you don't care if you win, right? I mean, you're so so how do you find that how do you find that balance there? I mean, because you're yeah. you still have that goal and you're still trying to win, right? So you do care about the outcome a little bit. So how do you how do you strike that balance mentally? So Stephen Covey, who wrote mm-hmm. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar with that book. But one of those habits is starting with the end in mind. You start mm-hmm. with the end in mind. And mm-hmm. certainly in athletics and in business, there's an end. Like we have, we know what that goal is. Sure. The challenge is we get so focused on that that mm-hmm. we forget the process. And and we we, you know, the the fear of failure, the 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 doubt that, that can creep in causes yeah. us to hesitate and and not and not show up as our best. Sure. And, and it happens in sales presentations. It happens in job interviews. It happens in wrestling matches and lacrosse games. Mm-hmm. It happens if you focus on that outcome versus just fully being present in the moment and bringing every ounce and every fiber of your soul and your being into that moment. Sure. Then you can just, you, you, can, you can perform at your best. I mean, this is yeah. performance psychology one-on-one, one-on-one. So you're yeah. right. It is this like dichotomy of like, okay, I really, really want this. <laughs> I really, really want to get on the podium. Yeah. But at the same time, I had to do the mind trick, the, the mental gymnastics to yeah. get myself to let go. And, sure. and there are different tricks. So for example, you know, one thing that I did was, you know, and this worked for me. Everybody mm-hmm. has to figure out what it is for themselves. Sure. I, I had my, in the biggest matches that season, like in the ACC championships and the national championships, I would, I had my assistant coach. I said, you have to have a joke ready for me. <laughs> your goal, your job, your one job is get me to smile as I step onto nice. the mat. Cut the tension to get me to smile, sure. to get me to relax so right. that I can just go and perform. <laughs> and he did that, right? So, uh, so that, that works for me. Sure. And when I'm when I'm giving a speech, still these days, I still get nervous. I'm a professional sure. speaker, but I still get butterflies. Sure. And the one for me, the one thing for me is I I really focus on the speaker before me instead mm. of focusing, you know, rehearsing that last, you know, you know, sure. five minutes before my talk, like rehearsing my lines or re- yeah. reviewing my notes. Like I've done that a hundred times by then. Right. Let that go. Sure. Just focus, just be in the moment, focus on the person before you, because you yeah. might pick up a tactic or two. You might pick up something you can refer to in your talk to tie it back to that prior speaker. Yeah. Just let go. Let yeah. go. I love it. There. No, that's really good. And I've heard, I'm not a professional speaker, but I've heard, you know, another tip is to think about the listener, right? And mm. when you're giving the speech, right? And, and But ultimately, it's the same concept is you're not thinking about yourself. You're not so focused on yourself. And that you're caught up in your own fears and what if this goes wrong or how am I going to do this? You put in the reps, you put in the time, of course, you, no one's suggesting you've shirked any of that 
you know, responsibility and hard work to get there. But once you're there, let it go, right? And focus on the, the listener, the person in the audience, or focus on the the speaker before you. I love that tip. That's really good. Yeah, um, you're right. I, mean, you're, I love the idea of focus on the listener. And I think you do this because like, your podcast is amazing. Uh, I do this before I hit record. Is like, I, and even before this interview here, yeah, I, I pause for just a moment and say, this is not, this is not, it's not about Jim. This is not about the story sure. I tell. Or this is about the listener. When I when right. When we take the focus off of ourselves and put it onto others, that's when the best version of us shows up. I just got back from a retreat. I hosted my uh, my retreat uh, just over the past weekend with my clients, my inner circle coaching clients. Yeah. And it was on limitless, like living. How do we get to living our limitless lives? Sure. And one of the biggest takeaways there was taking the focus off of us and putting it onto others, you know? Um, you know, how can we serve others? How can we help others? You know, what does the work that we're doing, how does this lift others up? And when we take that focus off of ourselves and and, and put it external, then that's another way to just absolutely you know, put down the reins. Now, I just finished a book called uh, The Second Mountain by uh, David Brooks. Uh, it's a fantastic read. And it's, have, have you read it? That was brought up at the retreat. Oh, really? Is that right? For me to hear that twice in the last <laughs> 72 hours, I'm writing that one down. You got to read it. The retreat brought that up. Yeah. Um, but that's really what the book is about. It's it, The subtitle is, uh, I think it's A Quest for a Moral Life. Honestly, I, I didn't fully know what I was getting into when I started reading it. Um, but it's really about okay, your first half of your life. And this is, of course, not everyone's life works this way. You know, there are exceptions to every rule, but we're born very kind of self-centered, self-focused. And we all have that inclination always, right? We all, it's still always there where we care about our own self, but really true life is, is, you know, in purpose and abundance are all found. And when we give it away and we focus on others and that's, his book does a fantastic job of kind of um, detailing that in many different contexts, whether it's marriage, neighborhoods, you know, uh, business, nonprofit, just all, all kinds of ways of giving back. But really, the the um, the the lesson in there is that it really does come back to you. Um, so, like you said, it, it, in wrestling, you ended up actually doing having better outcomes because you weren't so focused on the outcome, like and and, and being the best version of yourself, as you already said. Uh, because you weren't so focused on being the best best version of yourself, in in a sense, mm -hmm. you were just focused on being present and and enjoying the journey and working as hard, you know, showing up the way you knew you could. Yeah. Um, so I love it. So walk us through kind of you know from from college up through today. I know that's uh, more than yeah. a year or two, but but uh, and, sure. I know there's yeah. some some lessons in there, and and I know you have a lot of small business experience. So maybe touch on that. Um, sure. Well, yeah, walk us through kind of the uh, ups and downs for as far as your own journey from from college until today. Yeah. So after college, uh, I don't usually tell this part of the story, but I did take a year where I just traveled. Uh, I, I had a couple of job offers, Naval Academy, University of Pennsylvania, and as assistant coach, come right mm -hmm. out of college. And I looked at training, you know, going full time to train at the Olympic Training Center and decided, you know, I'm taking a break. I'm stepping away from the sport. And I, I Gosh, I just went on an amazing year of adventure. I, I backpacked nice. through Central America for about three months and had all kinds of crazy experiences going through That's Mexico time to and, do it, right? and Guatemala. Oh, it was amazing. A bunch of scuba diving and some amazing hikes and 
and all kinds of crazy adventures. Then I went to Europe for a month and then I came home and then, uh, and then I, uh, I got a job leading adventure camping tours, uh, all traveling all across the country, which is where I met my wife. Uh, she was a fellow tour leader. So did that for a year before I got called back to, to be the assistant coach at the university of Virginia. Um, that's when I started my coaching career coached, got it. uh, as the assistant coach at the university of Virginia. And then I was the head coach at slippery rock university, which is a smaller school, um, division one wrestling program, uh, but division two athletics, but uh, wrestling opted up to division one being okay. in Pennsylvania wrestling is so deep in Pennsylvania. It's just culturally embedded. Sure in PA. And, um, and so I coached, uh, at slippery rock and, um, then I, you know, several years into that, I thought to myself, like, this is, uh, this is life consuming. This is all consuming. And we wanted to start a family and had an opportunity to move back to Charlottesville. So we did, we took that. So we moved back to Charlottesville, um, started our family, um, started my next business or started a, my first business, which I had a painting business when I was in college in the summer. Sure. But after that, uh, I started this, um, started like a, a home services company in Charlottesville. Okay. We had you know, about 10 employees and three crews on the road. And they were doing window cleaning and power washing and gutter cleaning and Christmas lighting and that sort of thing. And um, did that for a few years, started that from scratch, grew that and sold it. Um, okay. So, had, so just, um, sorry to cut you off to the, sure. at this point, you're just to be clear, you're coaching as well or, or this, the, this business so was your yeah. So uh, when I came back to Charlottesville, it was through yeah. a privately funded position from from a large donor, okay. who brought me back because he wanted, you know, I, we wanted to be back in Charlottesville at some point, mm-hmm. um, and he wanted to fund this position, sort of independently funded outside of the university okay. through. Uh, in wrestling, uh, there's a term called regional Olympic training center. So we had these, there were these regional Olympic training centers and I headed okay. up the one that was sort of attached to okay. the university of Virginia it. wrestling program. Yep. So okay. I was coaching sort of this, uh, somewhat of an assistant coaching role at Virginia, but I was heading up this regional Olympic training center. Um, and then I started the business on the side and that kind of grew to the point where I had to go full time into that. Um, sure. and then, and then sold that. Yeah, no, I, I just the reason I dug in there a little was because, uh, you know, so many listeners, so many people and and the listener may be in this this position as well, wrestle, <laughs> no pun intended, I didn't even think of that, um, <laughs> until they wrestle uh, with the, the concept of, you know, starting a side hustle or I, I hate my job, I should quit now and then and then start a business or, you know, and, and of course, everyone's path is different. And you, you can see where this this is going, but what are your thoughts on, on that? Uh, you know, as far as, you know, personally, I was able to work part-time for seven years with benefits. And while I, I grew my real estate investing businesses and, and then mortgage note investing businesses. And, yeah. um, so it was a little bit more of a deliberate, you know, long uh, drawn out, uh, process there. And then eventually last, uh, in, in last, last March, I was able to quit my W2. What are your, what's your advice to somebody out there who's kind of, you know, thinking about starting a side hustle or just quitting their W-2 and jumping into starting a small business. Yeah, I actually have a podcast episode that I recorded on this. If you look up Success or Failure podcast, uh, quit your job or you'll, you'll find yep. it if you Google that. And my my take is this, it, like you said, it depends on where you're at in life. And sure, I, I in my, at that point in my career, um, had a young family. Uh, we were able to take a little bit more of a risk then. And, and so I, I really encourage you to think about building something on the side. What, what 
the, the nice thing about building, like you've done, like I've done building a, building a business while you have a, a full-time job is you have the benefits, you have lower stress. And here's the thing that most people don't talk about. It forces you to find the leverage points. Mm. You don't have 40, 50, 60 hours a week to put into this thing. Mm-hmm. You might have 10 or 20 if you can squeeze out 20 sure. at most. Yeah. And so you really have to focus on the high leverage action items, the things that, yeah. that are going to really move the needle. And, and it forces you to maybe high, you know, outsource some things overseas or create systems. Yep. You can hire somebody else part-time or get a get an intern from a university and have them do some of the, these other sort of smaller tasks, these things that sure. kind of bog you down, this minutiae you get bogged down into. So, um, yeah. so I, I encourage people to really think about how how can I how can I do this? Not can I do this, but how can mm-hmm. I do this while I still have a full time job? And that's what I yeah. do even with this business. And we'll get we'll talk about that here. Yeah, shortly yeah. As no, well. I love it. That's that's really good. You got to be more efficient with your time because you don't have as much free time to devote to this, sure. right? Um, yep. So that so you do end up being really focusing on those kind of high level tasks, or maybe not high level, but high outcome or high you know yep. uh, high leverage, yeah. actually, high leverage exactly. Um, and I did find your, so your podcast episode is called My Last Day, How and Why I Quit My Job When There Was a Lot on the Line, Success yeah. Through what Failure. What episode does that say? Uh, there no? Didn't say the number right here, but I'll, I'll okay. we'll, we'll link to it in the uh, show notes. But so, um, yeah, so talk to us about, okay, so you did the, the home services business, which I love, by the way, because um, today, more and more, it's like everyone thinks they got to have this unbelievably unbelievably good idea and 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 get you know venture capital and right. um kind of take a, a grand slam swing at things and i think more and more today it's these blue collar kind of you know tried and true businesses that that are having a lot of success uh, a lot of the sure. trades people are making very good money so if you can you know show up and do what you say you're going to do i think your your odds of success are, are pretty high so um curious you know why did you choose that type of business so i had a mentor at the time who was a multimillionaire and owned several businesses and i was talking to him over coffee one day and we were just talking about business and i i had i've always had an entrepreneurial streak in me sure and he said i'm going to start a window cleaning business unless you do. If you don't do it, I'm going to start one. <laughs> and he said, look around. He said, every building you pass, every home you pass has mm-hmm. windows. There's a sure. market there, you know? And and I did my research and talked to a few folks and a, a great way to do research on something like this is call call a window cleaning company in neighboring towns or towns, you know, a whole way across the country if you want and sure. say, tell me about this business. They're not competitors. <laughs> and, and they... Sure. People love to share. People love to share what they know, and you know, people love to tell you uh, how, how good they are, what or whatever you yeah. know, information. So I did that, and um, that's that's how that started. Mm-hmm. But uh, you're right. And were there other window cleaning businesses? Of course, there were several of them in town. And did I think that we could be the best? Absolutely, we were. We were the best, mm-hmm. and we, you know, everybody got trained, and they had uniforms and. You know, we were very systematic about how you we did everything from how we answer the phone to how we talk to the customers to how we clean a window and the order that we go and you know put shoe covers on your shoes and you know just we just did well we were professional and mm-hmm. like you you mentioned Jamie yeah just show up like show <laughs> right. up when you you're gonna show up how yeah. many contractors and and for the listeners how many times have you experienced with a contractor 
yeah. that they don't show up when they say they are, things take longer, they don't communicate well, all of that. And I just thought, that's not how I operate anyway. So I think sure. I can operate better than anybody. Yeah. And and we did. And we had great reviews and great customer base. Awesome. So you did that for a few years, sold the business. Um, and then what, what's your, uh, walk us through the other businesses you've had. Yeah. So the next business, I had this idea and I kind of started this while I had the other kind of the window cleaning power washing company. I I loved the sport of wrestling and I knew that there was, there was, that if we could market the sport, we would, would, if we could make it easier for fans to be fans, we could grow the sport. And and as well as not just wrestling, but a lot of the Olympic sports, like the lacrosse Mm. and the soccer's of the world, the sort of quote, Mm -hmm. non-revenue sports, they call them in college. Sure. And, and so I created a tool. I raised some angel capital. We built a software uh, that really connected all of the social media platforms, which were very fledgling at the time. This is around 2009, 2010, mm-hmm. where you could send, you, you know, from the app that we created, you could, you know, type up a post and, you know, about your, you know, hey, we just beat the Crosstown Rival and here are the results. And don't forget next week's alumni night. And by the way, here's the link to our fundraising page. You know, you could say, you could type that all up. You could dictate it into your phone, hit send, and it would post instantly as a blog post on your website as a news news update on your website nice. within a minute um mm-hmm. and then it would automatically post onto twitter and facebook and uh what else was around back then mm-hmm. there was no tiktok MySpace. back then you know, <laughs> you know myspace yeah <laughs> you know might have been myspace or something but you could post it would post instantly after those as well as um uh text sent out a text message alert for those who are subscribed to the text message alert for your team nice. Um, and there was sort of a, a scale with that. So I connected with USA Wrestling, which is the international governing body or the national governing body for wrestling for the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they were on board and they were promoting it and they, we could pull their content and feed it down into these, you know, you know, Twitter uh, feeds and whatnot mm-hmm. of local programs. It was really, uh, I thought it was pretty fascinating. I'm still fascinated with the sure. idea because nobody's quite doing it this way. Um, but we built it. I did, you know, this is my first time building a software. I had no clue. Didn't raise enough money. I was just tripping over my feet the entire way. I uh, didn't have the right people to sort of guide me and help me understand, like, how do you even how do you even build a software? And I didn't do the sure. building. We had an offshore, offshore um, overseas mm-hmm. development team. But I didn't know how to coach them through it. I didn't know what a wireframe was, all of this. So I made so many mistakes along the way. But I got my MBA in, in how to <laughs> for sure. Nice. And about two years into this thing, Everything, you know, we had revenue, we had customers, but but not enough revenue, not enough customers. Mm-hmm. And we were out of money and I had, you know, we had debt up to our eyeballs. Uh, I wasn't spending enough time with my wife. I wasn't spending enough time with my kids. I wasn't working mm-hmm. out anymore. I was just, I was a mess. I mean, we had, mm-hmm. you know, we had a, I had a failed business and in a failing marriage, you know, and, mm-hmm. and just, I was broken, broken at that point. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, yes. and it got to a point where I had to shut it down. So was it just to push on that a little bit? Was it, yeah. you know, you know, was that option presented to you or did, how did you know for short you had to shut it down? Oh man, I had pushed and pushed and pushed for as long as I could to, to make the money that we had last. We, we basically ran out of money and mm-hmm. it was just too stressful. You know, we had sure. three kids at the time and it was, uh, or maybe we had two kids at the time mm-hmm. and, uh, man, it was just, uh, yeah. You know, the, the, the time had come. 
Yeah, understood. No, it's uh, you know, I've I'm a co-owner of a of a loan servicing company, BiFi Loan Servicing, and it's, you know, it it was a startup. We didn't buy the company off the shelf. You know, it's it's uh, not only do you have to really understand loan servicing, but you've got to understand a lot more than just that. So, you know, the the whole startup part of it, which comes with all kinds of stressors. And, uh, you know, it's, it's had its ups and downs, I'll be honest. And, and it's something that I don't think entrepreneurs talk about enough. If you're trying to start a business from scratch, especially something like a software company that you've never done before, which by the way, this was 2009. I mean, what you talked about now doesn't sound, you know, it's, it sounds like, you know, it's fairly easy or a lot of sure. companies are doing something similar, but right. Absolutely. 20, uh, 14 years ago, <laughs> that's right. cutting this edge. I mean, cutting edge, yeah. revolution. And I think we were also a little bit ahead of the schedule, a little bit ahead of time in terms of, you know, people weren't quite ready for that. The, the demand wasn't quite there. It. Demand sure. wasn't there. Yeah, right. Got right. it. Okay, so so you you put so much time and money into and effort into this, this business, um, but ultimately it doesn't work. Um, so how did your, what did your family life look like at that point when you, when you scrap the business what did you do from there so uh, i remember uh, literally a picture one night getting in an argument with my wife about the business and finances and the stress and level in the house was just so high mm -hmm. and she went to bed and i flipped open my computer sitting on the couch and i got onto craigslist because that's i guess where you used to go to look for <laughs> jobs mm -hmm. and i just started scrolling on the jobs page mm -hmm. and I'm looking, there's like jobs for like paper boys and unpaid internships. And I'm thinking to myself, like, oh my goodness, like, how is did this, I get Is here? this where I am? Right, right. Is this sure. really where I am? You sure. Know? Like, you know, all-American wrestler, two degrees from the number one public university in the country, you know, yeah. youngest division one head coach in the country. Uh, I had had a sex, successful business already. Like, sure. is this really where I ended up is here right. at the bottom again. And, and I, I was just dejected and I closed my laptop and I set it aside and I walked upstairs and I laid down next to my wife. She's already asleep in bed. And I'm just laying there, just ruminating on this, thinking to myself, like what was in place in my life when I was performing at my best, mm, when I really went from underperformer to peak performer, like, mm -hmm. What was there? Because right now, you know, they talk, you know, people talk about all these great life lessons you learn in sports. And I'm like, man, I either I didn't learn them or, or I need to figure out what <laughs> they were. Them. You know, sure. I forgot them, you know? And, <laughs> and, and I said, you know, what was in place? You know, what were the, what were the things that were in place then that allowed me to perform through failure, to deal with failure, to be resilient, to create success uh, that was beyond what I thought was even possible for myself. Mm -hmm. And and I realized it was like a camera lens, Jamie. It was like a camera lens coming into focus where there were these, it was very clear to me. It was four, there were four things that were in place. Okay. And this came from a deep place inside of me. And, and so I'll go through those four things. Real quick. Yeah. So number it. one was, and you've, you've experienced this as a college athlete, you've experienced hmm. this. Number one, success was very clear to you. Like the vision for what success looked like Mm -hmm. It was crystal clear. I mean, you knew sure. exactly what it looked like. You know, for me, it was yeah. standing on the top of the podium at the national championships. I knew what sure. that looked like. I could imagine what that would feel like. Um, and I had a general idea of, of what I had to, had to do to get from, from here to there. And mm -hmm. 
And so I had this, this vision and it was based upon my values. Like I probably couldn't have stated my core values like I can today, but back then I wanted to be tough. I wanted to be disciplined. I wanted to be respected. I wanted to go on mm -hmm. to success after wrestling, like so many of my heroes and my mentors did. Sure. And, and so that was, that was the first step. I was like, I have to get clear on what success looks like, but inside of me, like, what do I even value? Like, how do I, how do I move forward in my life if I don't understand like truly deep down what I'm rooted in? And listen, sure. all of us can sort of throw out a couple of nice words and say, yeah, these are the things I value. But sure. I hadn't really done the deep, hard, introspective work that I needed to do. So that was the first step. Yep. And the second step is this. When I was competing, I had goals that were aligned with the values. Those goals when I was wrestling were tethered to my values. I didn't know it then, but looking back in hindsight, I could see this. You know, most people these days set goals based upon what they see on social media or, or what they see, you know, the mass media tells them that they should want or, or based on sure. what you see parked in your neighbor's driveway. But when you create aligned goals, you become resilient, you become strong, you become clear, you become confident, you become consistent. Hmm. And those really were good. all the things that I was, that I was missing. And, um, and I had those when I was competing, right? And, and, and when you have these aligned goals, these goals that are directly tied to, you can see the tie between your goals and your, your values. Yep. It changes the hard work. I, 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 I always tell people it changes the hard work to inspired action. It's not hard work. It's inspired action. And I'll give you an example. My, my junior year, uh, and I'm going to tell you this example, and I'm going to preface it, put an asterisk by this by saying, don't try this at home. Uh, <laughs> this is not something I recommend. Um, but I, I stepped onto the scale one day. It was two and a half days before a competition. And the scale read 172 pounds. The only problem was my weight class was 150 pounds. I was 22 oh. pounds over two and a half days before weigh-ins. And over the course of the next two and a half days, I destroyed myself. You know, I, I, I wrung every last bit of water that I could get out of my body. I wrung mm -hmm. it out. And I stepped on the scale two days later, two and a half days later, and I made weight. Wow. And I was a, a skeleton. I was a shell of myself. Uh, I was, probably should have been hospitalized, but, but I did it. And it was a horrible, horrible experience. And again... Don't try this at home. Uh, right. To be honest, in wrestling, you can't even do this anymore because there's sure. too many rules in place and there's hydration right. tests and all this. Which is a good thing it, now. <laughs> it's, a, it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing yeah. thing. Yeah, um, but that was, was it hard work to do that? Yeah, but it was really inspired action. Like I couldn't do that today. You know, I've, I've, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still, I still work out. I'm pretty lean, but like, sure. I got more to lose today than I did back then. Yeah. And I couldn't lose 22 pounds just because, <laughs> sure, you know, I, it wouldn't be inspired action for me, right? There's a difference. So anyway, when you have sure. aligned that goals, sense. You, you can do these hard things and, and keep moving forward despite any pain and suffering because you have a vision. It's, this is, this is, these are your values. This is what you, you want. And so that's the second part, right? And the third piece is this. And you, again, Jamie, you've experienced all this. Like the third <laughs> piece is I had an environment of excellence. And so, the environment so of excellence, yeah, it's so key. You, you, you were surrounded by people 
who have been there, who have done this. And, you know, you have coaches who kick you in the rear end if you need a kick or help you course correct if that's what you need. Um, yep. They help you see your blind spots. Um, they've done it before. They've been there before. Uh, you're, you, you have teammates, like-minded teammates that you're surrounded by. Uh, you're accountable to them. They're accountable to you. There's just you, know, well, you, t- you talked about your assistant coach, you know, your, your sophomore yeah, here. Who, that's he, it. he saw your blind spot, which was you weren't thinking big enough. You didn't believe that's in yourself right. enough. So yes, just, so that's, that's critical. I mean, our environment is, is huge. So, and then, so that's, that's number three. And then sorry to, to push us yeah. on a little bit, but yep. the, and sure. then what's the fourth, fourth, fourth piece. Fourth and finally is this is you have to have a plan to follow through. Like, love it. You know, if I lost a wrestling match on a Friday night, you know, I'm sitting in the corner feeling sorry for myself. Coach comes walking over. Hey Jim, uh, I'll see you tomorrow morning in the weight room, 8am be there. Like, like it or not, <laughs> you're going to keep marching forward. And Absolutely. in the real world, we don't have that a lot of times, right? We, yeah. you know, kids get sick or the car breaks down or, or a global pandemic happens, God forbid, or the economy mm-hmm. goes in the tank. Like you have to have a plan, a systematic framework in place to keep you marching forward, even on, or especially on the days and the times when you don't feel like it, or you lose clarity or you're, you're doubting yourself, all of that. You have to have a plan to follow through. So those are the four steps. Love it. That's really good. Um, that's a very good framework. So I do have some rapid fire questions here, Jim, if, if you're ready yeah, for them. I'm ready. Um, awesome. What's one thing that people misunderstand about you? Mm, they think that I'm a highly polished uh, uh, UVA grad one. Really, my roots are, man, I love to get dirty. I love to <laughs> mountain bike and hike and climb and do, do hard things and split wood. I'm a blue collar guy at heart. Got it. Awesome. Um, if you could go back and give your 18 year old self some advice, what would it be? Believe, stop doubting yourself, doubt the doubters, not yourself. (laughs) Love that. So good. Uh, if you were given $10 million tomorrow, what would you do with it, Jim? I would do a lot of work for my parents and family. Uh, I would set my kids up for success, uh, in terms of college and, and, and sort of pay off any, like that kind of stuff all in advance. Um, and then I would get philanthropic, um, and really give back to the place. That's really what drives me is the philanthropy. I mean, there's uh, a few there. I'm, I'm part of an organization called F3, F3 nation, and I'm, on, I'm, I'm the chair of the advisory council. So giving back, giving back would be very close to my heart to my church and otherwise. Fantastic. Um, in your business today, what's one challenge that you're facing? Mm. There's always a, there's always a challenge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The challenge is um, showing people, showing enough people that this framework that I just shared with you is transformative. Uh, I have clients who are with me for life; they're lifers because we teach them, coach, and, and help them stay on the we call it stay on the path with this framework, um, and uh, it's getting this out into the world. Awesome. So speaking of that, who is, who do you work with? I mean, what's your kind of ideal client or avatar? What's, you know, who do you, who do you work sure. for? Work yeah. With? I mean, the, the ideal client is, is to be honest, probably in the 35 to 55 year old range, sure. um, mostly men, but we, we have women who are in our program as well. Uh, a lot of folks who have an athletic, they're athletic minded, right? Whether they were a high school or college athlete or, or they're a weekend warrior now and they do Spartan races or, or, or marathons or whatever. 
those mm-hmm. types of folks who are really um, focused, goal oriented, know there's another level inside of them, know that you know they 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 they're leaving too much on the table. Um, a lot of them are business owners and entrepreneurs because those sure. are folks who it's about performance, it's about personal performance. Sure. You eat what you kill. Um, that's our Absolutely. that's our ideal audience. Awesome. So you work with a lot of business people, entrepreneurs, but it's it's more of a kind of personal growth and kind of encouraging them and helping them, coaching them to be the best version of themselves. Is that that's right? Is that fair? Okay. Yep. Awesome. Um, how about a book or two that you could recommend for my listener? You know, I always go back to one of the the first books that I read uh, getting into business was How to Win Friends and Influence People, mm. Dale Carnegie. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. It was written in, I think, the 1930s, maybe, or early 1940 Some, or something like that. Somewhere, yeah, and, somewhere in that yeah, if, time frame. If you go to Barnes & Noble, you'll find five copies on the shelves today, and there's a reason. Yeah. It's because it's such a transformative book. And that that business, or that that transformed my business uh, as well as, you know, my personal life. So that's a, that's a that's great, absolute no-brainer. Another great one is Built to Last. This is written by the same guy who wrote um, Good to Great. And um, Jim Collins. Just a, Yep, Jim Collins. Um, yep. Great book about what it really takes for a, for a great company to, to for a good company to be great. But it's about this the vision they have and the values. Really, a lot of that coaching framework that I share with you is proven through through that book. Love it, fantastic, Jim Jim Harshaw. Where can our listeners find you online? And tell us a yeah. little bit more before we wrap up. Tell us exactly what you're up to today with your business. Sure. You can find me jimharshawjr.com. You can sign up for a free one-time coaching call right on that website. You can go there, uh, jimharshawjr.com slash apply if you want to find that page directly and, and grab a time on my calendar uh, and we can talk. And then, um, you know, go to any social media platform. You'll find me. Just look for Jim Harshaw, search for Jim Harshaw or the Success Through Failure podcast, publish over 400 episodes with you know, Navy SEALs, New York Times bestselling authors, you know, Tim Ferriss, Ken Blanchard, you know, Olympic gold medalist, Shannon Miller, on and on, just world-class performers. Um, but uh, that's, a, that's a passion there as well. So some great, great episodes. Again, and you can get all the action plans to every single episode. If you go to jimharshawjr.com slash action, you can just get a PDF of every single episode, all the action plans. Awesome. How did you get Tim Ferriss on your show? grinding it out hard work finding you know everybody i truly believe in this world everybody has their unfair advantage and my unfair advantage with tim ferris was he wrestled in high school i also you know obviously my Mm -hmm. wrestling background so i I put out a tweet and said hey tim if i can get 100 people to retweet this will you come on the show and uh i got 100 people to retweet it he never responded eventually he did and uh and he came on that's awesome oh you're thinking big right um We're about to wrap up here, but can you think of a quick case study based on kind of one of your clients um, that you can highlight for the the listener? Sure. Um, You know, what I do is I help people get really clear on on what success looks like for them, uh, kind of what that next thing is for them. A lot of of my clients are generally successful there. So I have a neurosurgeon who I work with, Dr. Mark McLaughlin. Um, He's a nationally renowned neurosurgeon. He's actually a speaker as well. But he had really been, he had wanted to write a book and he really needed somebody to push him, help him get clarity on, on, on the process and, and walk him, you know, just, just help him get, get clear on not just the goals, but something we set as micro goals. These are monthly goals. It's, so it's mm-hmm. these measurable KPIs and metrics that we track. We track you mm-hmm. all the way along the way. Um, and Mark has written an amazing book and really built a, a brand around that book. In addition to his neurosurgery practice, he's uh, nice. now a well-known author as well. So 
Um, just one of the examples of, you know, somebody who's already performing at a higher level, but knows there's more in the tank, knows there's another gear inside of them. Absolutely. I love it. No, I put you on the spot there. So nicely Great. done. Jim. Love it. <laughs> Jim Harshaw Jr. Thank you so much for spending your, uh, this hour with us. I really appreciate it. Um, and thanks again. Thank you, Jamie, for all you're doing. I love your podcast and love what you're putting out into the world. Keep it up. Thanks. And to the listener out there, we appreciate you spending your most valuable resource with us. And that is your time. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Investors, have you ever experienced challenging communication or the headache of tracking taxes and insurance? Meet BiFi, a loan servicing company founded by investors for investors. With an expert team and best-in-class vendors, BiFi will partner with you to service your loan from start to exit. Visit buyfiLS.com to see how you can get started today. That's B-I-F-I-L-S.com. Thank you for spending your most valuable resource with us, your time. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and fellow podcast listeners. One entrepreneur at a time, we can change the world. See you next time. Hey there, it's Jamie Bateman. Ever felt boxed in by life's challenges? Dive into my new book, From Adversity to Abundance, Inspiring Stories of Mental, Physical, and Financial Transformation. Available now on Amazon. From a former bank robber's redemption to a young entrepreneur's victory over hurdles, these stories are not just inspiration. They're the roadmaps to your transformation. Whether for you or as a powerful gift to friends and family, especially those who might not tune into podcasts, this book is a beacon to a life of abundance. Ignite that inner fire and set your course to the life you've imagined. Purchase yours today on Amazon and light the path for someone you love.